can make your way back to your seat. Welcome again to Epiphany Church. My name is Pastor Joe Marlin, and it is great to be here. Can we all show some love to the worship band tonight? Praise God for a stacked worship band. Amen? So awesome. And uh, I'm really thankful. I'm really thankful for my longtime friend, Alan, and his wife, Erin, coming and leading us tonight. Amen? So can we just show him some love? <laughs> We're so thankful for you, man. And um, they're going to come back. They're, they're going to come back um, several times and, and, and just lead us in worship. So it's such a blessing. Um, so God likes to show his strength in our weakness. And... I had no plan to be preaching right now, but I am. And so I'm going to pray for his strength. Amen? Amen. The last, you know, for this, this week has been a, a week of, of cleaning out rooms, getting things ready. We had, I want to give a huge thank you to so many people. Like Kids Club started back up Friday night. We gave out groceries to a hundred some families yesterday, amen. And and people are gearing up and working really hard to have youth group tonight. So there's all this outpouring of love, and we've been doing a lot of organizing and planning and scheduling. And uh, I uh, my my friend Pastor Ted of New Life Fellowship in Glassboro was going to preach, but he had this extreme pain in his. Um, rotator cuff, and um, was in the ER, couldn't, didn't sleep all night, um, then sent home with medication. Let's pray for Pastor Ted. Father God, I pray for Pastor Ted, would you kill him, strengthen him. Lord, it's been a rough year for his health. Um, a really bad case of COVID with lingering effects, and now this pain. I just pray, Lord, he'd really know about your friendship right now in the middle of that pain. He'd really offer that pain up to you. And all of us, I pray, Lord, that in the midst of difficult circumstances, we would be faithful to you. We, 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 we always talk about your unconditional love, and yet we, we just forget that you also call us to unconditional loyalty to you. Unconditional love for you. Come what may. Lord, we pray for that. We pray, Lord, that you would work in our souls, that we would follow you come hell or high water. That we would be obedient to you. We would want to serve you. We would want to glorify you. Even when it's hard. But Lord, we pray, God, you'd heal him. Help me now. Help me take what was not enough time um, and use this, these next few moments in a way that is only explainable by the Holy Ghost showed up. Amen. Amen. So we're going to look at John 15. John 15. Let me read it for your hearing. As my Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. 
If you keep, me, keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain. So do so that whatever you ask in the Father's name, he will give you. This is what I command you, love one another. This is the word of the Lord. So we see in verse 11 in John's gospel a promise we see it all throughout John's gospel. We've been talking about this. What is the, the gospel about? It's all about trusting in Jesus is the key to receiving what? Eternal life. Trusting in Jesus is the way we receive eternal life. But trusting in Jesus is the other theme of John, is also the way to experience what? Abundant life, right? We receive eternal life, life forever, but we also experience full life. We experience abundant life. And here, what do we see? In verse 11, we see he promises not only a full life, but he promises complete joy. Complete joy. You know, is Jesus overselling it? No. Let me just read some scriptures for you. This is a theme throughout the Bible that the joy of the Lord is our strength. That we need joy. It is like the fuel that gets us through each day and allows us, empowers us, in fact, to be faithful. God doesn't want you to just be faithful and joyless. He doesn't want you to be without joy. He has promised to be with you. Amen? And he says this. He says in Proverbs 31, this is great. This is the virtuous woman. This is the woman. So the book of Proverbs was written, the audience in mind was largely young men. And the idea is that the last chapter of the book of Proverbs is like, hey, this is what you need to look for when you are trying to find someone that's going to be the mother of your children. This is the virtuous woman. And Proverbs 31.25 says, She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She ain't laughing at the days to come because she's got it all figured out. She is planted in God's joy. She ain't laughing at the days to come because she just is thinking positive that from here on out, everything's going to be great. Guys, everything ain't going to be great. Things are still going to go off the rails. There's going to be sickness, trouble, death. 
until Jesus comes. But this woman is able to stand flat-footed, look to the days ahead, look to the time when she gets old, look to when relationships start to dwindle, look to when her strength starts to fade, and she can laugh because she's got joy. she got that Jesus joy. And it's something that we can have. <clears throat> Excuse me. Isaiah 12, 2 says, surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He has become my salvation. Our sister just testified, you know, there's some songs that get you through some hard things. Right? You hear the, hear the prophet saying, you know what? The Lord is my strength and my song. There is this deep connection between the worship of God and singing, joy, strength, and God's presence himself. <laughs> it says in the word that he inhabits the praises of his people. There is a strong connection. And song, we sing this song, right? Battle belongs to say, the, uh, our weapon is a melody. <laughs> Our weapon is a melody. Back in the olden days, they used to blow a horn or beat a drum to a certain way, and it meant charge. It meant it's time to attack. Well, we spiritually sing songs, and it's an act of defiance to all the sickness, depression, dysfunction, and darkness in our lives. When we sing songs, when we pray prayers, when we kneel down and say, God, help me in our helpless situation. We are leaning into joy that God has for us. It says in Psalm 73, 26, it says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is my strength. The strength of my heart and my portion forever. This is awesome. I was hanging out uh, this summer. And talking to a guy. And I did a lesson about how, you know, discipleship is reminding people of the gospel. Right? Just reminding people that Jesus loves them. And he came up and he, and he, and he talked to me afterwards. And he's like, I have worked for 20 years in hospice. And I'll never, rem I'll never forget this. He came up to me and he said, that's my whole ministry. But in a different way. People's heart, their, their, their flesh is failing them. They forget. They forget God. They forget they're forgiven. They know death is coming. And his entire ministry is to remind them that Jesus loves them as they're breathing their last breaths. Jesus' love is a greater reality than your heart's ability to experience it. Like he loves you even when you don't feel it. Amen? He's your strength even when you're not sure how to tap into it. He is true even when you're hiding and denying the reality of his love. He is God. He is love. And he is for us. Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 3.3 says, but the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. 
Habakkuk 3.19 says, The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer. He enables me to tread the high heights. I, I, I remember being in seminary and my professor talking about going to Israel and seeing these crazy deer and how they could just climb up on the rocks. Now, if any one of us were to try to climb on these sheer cliffs, we would fall to our death. But God has made these particular deer in such an amazing way that they run up and down like this is home. They know how to move around. And what I'm saying is, is that God makes us like that. He makes us be able to traverse the crazy cliffs, the crazy terrain of our life, the crazy circumstances of our life. Sometimes we think, you know, I wish I could rise above the water and be on a yacht and have somebody bringing me drinks. And sometimes what God is actually calling you to do is to stay in the depths of the sea. But God is able to give you gills so you can breathe underwater. You might not always be able to swim above your problems. But God's word says that he has promised a way for us all to stand up under every single trial we face. Amen. He has. It says in Ephesians 6.10, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. This is after he has told them how God is going to protect every aspect of their life. And I particularly love, it talks about the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness. Now the helmet of salvation, I think we tend to grasp that, right? Like God actually protects your thoughts. And there's a battlefield in your mind, and you need to avoid the lies of the devil. We believe lies, and it destroys us. Here's something that we're less inclined to understand. Now, when Paul was writing this to the Ephesians, the breastplate was protecting the intestines. So ancient people, they understood, like, your feelings, where your feelings come is from your gut. <laughs> and nowadays, we think more like from the heart, right? Just the way we talk about it, our heart. But either way, this is a beautiful truth. God's righteousness covers our feelings, protects us. We need to lean into his promises, his truth. And he actually promises to guard our feelings. Like God cares about that. Like it's not just like, oh, you think one thing, say one thing, and then you're depressed, you're just in a bad spot, and whatever, you have to suck it up. You're not in control of your feelings, so it's okay. No, like God actually promises that he will be the one who lifts up our head in Psalm 3. When we're crying, he wipes away our tears. He gives us the hug that fixes every problem with us, right? He's the one who protects our emotional life. He does. And then, of course, Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is my strength. And so when Jesus says here in verse 11, he says, I want you to have complete joy. I want you to have my joy. He really means it. And then he says, remain in me. What does that look like? Well, there's three ways, right? He says, let my words remain in you. 
And so that's really practical. It's like we just had a, a new to the church um, little fire pit cookout at my house. And I talked about what it means to be part of a church. And, you know, I think about that 21 Pilots song where it's like, you know, metaphorically I'm there for you. <laughs> Literally, I don't know what I'd do. Right? And <laughs> we need to understand that remaining in God, part of what that means is meditating on his words. Like reading the Bible. We can't be complaining that we have no assurance, no joy, no strength when we spend no time to be his disciples, when we spend no time in his word, when we make time for every other thing on YouTube, on Reels, on Instagram, whatever else we're spending our time hiding from our problems into. But God wants us to be rooted deeply in him. And there's a relationship between how much we dig in to his word and the truth of his word and how much we experience his joy. But he also says, remain in my love. He says, he says, let my words remain in you. But then he also says, remain in my love. And he also makes this promise. When he talks about bearing fruit, I can send you this like 90-page dissertation on why I think this is true. And I can't preach on it right now. But... <laughs> When he talks about fruit here, I really believe he's not talking about the fruits of the Spirit or anything else. He's talking about disciples in this context. When we abide in Jesus, there's a multiplication of disciples. When we remain in him and we're obedient to him and we do what he says, one of the things that happens is that we lead people to Jesus. It's part of the normal Christian life. We invite people to church. We invite people over to have meals at our home. We pray for people at work. We ask them how they're doing. We're the kind of people that live with the kind of integrity that folks look at us and know something's different than us, about us, right? And the way we talk and the way we relate to each other, it's so different that it opens up doors to share the gospel. We're not just living how everybody else is living. And when we do, we repent. We come back to him. We come back to our senses. Here is the secret of joy in any circumstance. Abide, live, hang around, pitch your tent. You know, my grandma would always say when I come to the house, anybody have those family members that's like, like they let you know, they, le they, 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 they let you know you're wrong like the first second you're in their presence. And you know what I mean? It's just like the I don't know, it's like a cultural thing. It's like a way of expressing love. I think it's a very Irish thing. And you would say, like, you're going to stay a while or take your coat off? You know what I mean? Like the very second. As soon as you walk in, you know what I mean? And, and like, you know, you're going to finish that plate? You're going to, you know what I mean? Everything is always like some sort of criticism, but that's like the love language, right? <laughs> I got to ask you. Jesus asked you. You're going to take your coat off and stay a while? You're just passing through, church? You're just passing through this relationship with God stuff? Or are you going to really be about it?
when we think of joy, we get our wires crossed. And we've been programmed by the world. We need to be deprogrammed. Um, they recently re-released this new animated Pinocchio on Disney Plus. Um, but I, I'm, you know, curmudgeonly old dude who always likes all the old stuff. So still like the old Pinocchio. But this is what happens. There's, there's this time where the kids, right, and Pinocchio joins um, Honest John and the coachman, and they go off to Pleasure Island. And um, the first couple minutes of Pleasure Island, it's like, it's like, the gr- like if all six flags in Disney World and everything was combined together, like the greatest place to be a kid on earth, right? And then it gets really dark. <laughs> And they see the consequences of no limit living, right? And so what the world promises is that, you know what? If you want to have joy, you know, you know, just take a break and just do whatever you want. Run away from responsibility. Run away from personal growth. Run away from obedience. Run away from change. And change is extremely painful, but not as painful as staying in the same spot. We all know that. But we're tempted to get on that wagon. My wife and I have very different music tastes. And if there was a circle of our music tastes, like last, last uh, this week, on, um, I went to go see uh, Megadeth. <laughs> it's not something my wife would really <laughs> enjoy very much. Um, but, you know, after knowing my wife for many years, um, one of the bands we both like is uh, Weezer, right? And one of their two of their greatest hits, uh, in, in the Garage and Holiday. And the song, the song Holiday goes, like, let's go away for a while, you and I, to a strange and distant land where they speak no word of truth, but we don't understand anyway. Don't pack your bags or your map. We won't need them where we're going. We're going where the wind is blowing, not knowing where we're going to stay. I've got friends. Maybe you've been this way where you're like, sometimes I just want to throw a few things in the car and run away from it all. Right? And... um, I actually saw this quote in this interview with uh, Cuomo Rivers, the, 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 the one who wrote this song. And he was talking about this song and that other one I was talking about. And he said that these songs, they were written in a sudden burst of confidence and optimism right after we got a record deal. <laughs> those, posi- those positive emotions have since dissipated <laughs> along with our cash advances. But I still like the songs. <laughs> The pleasures that the world promises, they don't last, but Jesus' joy lasts, and it's something you can build your life on. It's not just this, I want to close my eyes and just imagine that I'm away from all these problems, but there's a joy in the midst of all the things I'm going through. And then in verse 12. He repeats this commandment. He actually says, I give you a new commandment, the chapter before, 
a new commandment, love one another. And he says it here. He says, he says, love one another. Is this a new commandment? Do you ever wonder why Jesus says it's a new commandment? Actually, guys, if you've been hanging around this church for a while, you know that I always talk about this, right? What's the, what's the law? What's the summary of the law? It's in the Ten Commandments, right? The Ten Commandments. And how could you sum up the Ten Commandments even more so? It'd be like in two, right? Love God. Love others. And then even if you had to face all that God actually wants for us and from us in one word, what is it? Love. It's, it's love. And so love one another is not a new commandment, but it is new in this sense, that the circumstances are new. They were going to face new persecution. This is the context. This is Jesus' last night on earth. He is going to be crucified. He's going to be tortured, and he's going to rise from the dead. He's going to ascend to heaven. But guess what? Almost all the people that are listening to him are going to die violent deaths. There's going to be divisions. There's going to be jealousy. There's going to be problems. And Jesus is saying, listen, when you're in a stressful situation and following me is stressful. If you thought being a Christian was the ticket out of all your stressful stuff, you got it wrong. Actually, he wants you to care about his kingdom. He wants you to care about doing the right thing. He wants you to face new demons and fight and win. Amen? He doesn't want you just to like exit away from this world. He wants you to actually do the right thing. And he says, look, with all the pressure, the new pressure you're about to face, love one another. Love one another. There's a new intensity to it. There's a new level to it. There's also a new outpouring of the Spirit. There's a new outpouring of the Spirit. You're going to be able to love each other in radical ways. And I love thinking about this. You know, the early church, people would do stuff where, like, they had a second house, and they would just sell it, and then they would just drop it in front of the apostles' feet and just, like, use this however you can. And I'm here to tell you that that still happens. I've seen it. I've been in prayer meetings. I was in a prayer meeting for three years at the church that I got saved at every week. And there was a man named Pat House, and he was reading a book called Desiring God. And there was a little bit of an illustration about a guy who had a vacation home, and he was, like, convicted. He's like, do we really use it? Is it really being used for God? Is it a thing that we need or refreshes us or we use it to refresh others? And the moment it didn't, we should sell it and give it all away. And he did that. I could tell you story after story of radical generosity when Jesus grips someone's heart. Last, yesterday afternoon, we were meeting with a sister that's going to this church, and she's just like, I just want to quit my job and serve God. I just want to, I just have new joy. There's a radicalness to the joy that God gives us. Amen? There is. But there's also a new example. Because, you know, he says, greater love has no in this. <laughs> that he laid down his life for his friends. So it's not just new pressure, new level, new outpouring. Jesus is saying, love people like how I'm loving people. I'm laying my life down. I'm going to the cross. He wants us to lay our lives down. And then in verse 14, we see this word, 
where he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. A chapter before, the same discourse, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And now he's saying, if you're my friends, you'll keep my commands. And it makes the meaning of this passage as clear as lightning. Brothers and sisters, this is not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying, I'll love you. I'll love you if you get your, your stuff together. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying, I'll love you if you do what I want. I'll, I'll, I'll really love you if you obey me. I'll, I'll really show favor to you. And like, he's not saying you have to earn my attention with obedience. You have to earn my affection. You have to earn my favor. But he's screaming, if you love me, then you will listen to me. <laughs> See, this is not Jesus saying, I'll love you if you're obedient. He's saying, if you love me, you'll be obedient. Those are two different statements. And it's a matter of life and death spiritually for us to get the difference. God doesn't get impressed by your obedience. He's not impressed by you punching in your clock at church every week and punching in your clock during prayer or anything like that. There is nothing we could do to impress him in that way. He loves us because that's who he is. <laughs> he loved us. He just said it a breath earlier that he laid down his life for us. He knows we're sinners. And salvation is a gift. And one of the themes of this entire gospel has Jesus saying, you got to believe in me. The work is believe in me. You could never be good enough, do enough, cry enough, pray enough, sing enough to impress God. But here's the reality. And some of us have been in this kind of relationship, right? Imagine you're in a relationship and your spouse and your, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whatever, they're like, they smack you in the face. And then 10 minutes later, they're like, babe, come on, give me a kiss. Give me a hug. This is what Jesus is saying that we need to hear, and it's hard for us to hear. He doesn't want us here on Sundays or in the car hearing a song with just tears rolling down our face. And that's, and saying that we love him. It's like the abusive spouse that says that we love our spouse, but then doesn't change anything in our life. Doesn't make any changes at all. Like, I don't want to give you a hug or a kiss. I wanted you to be there. I wanted you to stand up for me when those people said something about me. I wanted you to help me. And Jesus is just saying this in a very human way, right? Jesus is saying he's 100% man. And he's saying, if you love me, you're going to listen to me. You're going to do what I say. He's not saying, if you do what I say, then I'll love you. No, his love is a guarantee. The question here is, do you love God? 
And the way that you show that you love him is that your life changes and that you obey him. And you remain in his word. And you remain in his love. When we grow up in the faith, we no longer need to just drink the milk, right? We're no longer like the breastfeeding baby that like 24-7, this is how it is in the beginning. And don't feel bad if this is where you are in your journey, right? Where in the beginning, the main word that you need to hear constantly is God has really forgiven you. God really does love you. But here's what happens over time when we grow in a healthy way. We, we, we go from thinking that the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, revolves around us. The church revolves around us. We're like in a little solar system, and we're right dead in the middle. And everything's about our support, our love, reassuring our insecurities, helping us stand up in the faith. And we begin to realize that actually we're not even Pluto. God is the sun. We're not even one of the big four in the front. <laughs> We are way in the back, and our lives are meant to revolve around him. And we're just one of many of his children. And that we are meant to actually obey him and do things for him and serve him. And not only to do that when we're reassured every single second that everything's about us and we're going to be okay. God does this as he heals us. He gives us confidence. What Jesus is talking about in terms of friendship is really important. Friendship's supposed to be mutual. And sometimes our relationship with God is nothing but mutual. And you've had relationships like this with other people, right? You're always the one who calls. You're always the one who plans things. You're always the one who pays. You're always the one who's there, right? And God just doesn't want to be on that side of the relationship with you. He don't want you to be a bad friend to him. He don't want you to be the one that just puts out the post like, sorry, love my family. I'm just bad at reaching out. What are you talking about? Get good at reaching out. God wants you to reach out. God wants you to have relationships. There's a responsibility on us to be his friends. There's an active role of us to obey him. And not to stay as babies who just need to be breastfed to start eating meat, to grow up. God does not revolve around you. The church does not revolve around you. Nothing revolves around you. You revolve around God who's at the center of all reality. And you're on a journey with a whole bunch of other people that are broken in some of the same ways you are and some very different ways than you are. And sometimes that's really hard, right? Because people just rub us the wrong way, grind our gears. And so we think, oh, I don't want to be with those hypocrites, right? But listen, God wants you to be with those hypocrites. <laughs> because we're all, none of us are perfect. We're all growing. Part of the reason we live in this shaky sense of shame where we need that milk over and over again is because we continue to brazenly and even in new, fresh ways live out our old life. One of the reasons that we struggle with a guilty conscience 
and we don't have the joy is because we're disobeying God. Disobedience steals our joy. Disobedience sours our friendship with God. It, it, disobedience doesn't, you know, if we truly are linked to Jesus in faith, we can go through some serious backsliding and do some crazy stuff and wild out, and still he holds on to us. Our life is hid with him on high, right? But here's the also the other reality is that while you may still be saved, you're not enjoying one single second of being saved. <laughs> and I told you that the whole promise of the gospel and the gospel of John that Jesus is constantly sharing is that you receive eternal, everlasting life when you believe in me, but you also get to experience abundant life, a life of complete joy. You know, uh, this spring we got to go hear um, this guy who's had a ministry of now equipping people to, to pray with faith for healing, to hear the voice of God. His name is Jack Deere. And he shared these things with us. He talked about there are three things you need in a relationship for it to be a real relationship. And he said, you know, you got to do stuff together. You got to spend time together. And you also do stuff for each other. Sometimes our relationship with God ends with doing stuff for him. And we've got a little scorecard. And we think if we read the Bible, we checked it off. If we went to church, we checked it off. We served in some way, we checked it off. And, 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 and we don't understand he wants to spend time with us. Others of us, we spend time with God, but we don't really do nothing for him. Right? And here's the amazing thing. Friends don't just spend time with each other and do stuff with e for each other. Like, like, I love my wife. We spend time together, and she does stuff for me, like, she makes a meal or whatever. And if that was the full extent of our relationship, that would be really whack. <laughs> right? Like, we do stuff together. Do you know that Jesus calls you his friend, not just a servant? He, does, he shares with you what he's doing. He shares his plans with you. He wants to do stuff with you. There are people, cousins, neighbors, co-workers, he wants to heal and save. And the Holy Ghost will share with you, will open up your eyes like, look, watch out. I'm about to do something. And he wants us to join in with what he's doing. He wants us to have power. He wants us to do things with him. He doesn't want us to just offer up our service like we would to a king. You know, we're very distant from God. We came, we bowed down, and we offered up our service. No, Jesus calls us his friend. <laughs> he said, I share the plans that I have with you. I share my thoughts with you. I share my heart with you. Amen? It's a beautiful thing. God wants you to experience his closeness. God is inviting you to this friendship. He wants you to care about the things he cares about. Right? And if anybody has had a really good friend, you start to talk like that person, right? They have little expressions. You know, we're going to do an appreciation 
uh, service in a few weeks for the Lubakins. And a lot of the youth say the dumb stuff that Dylan would always say because they spend a lot of time with them. Well, sure. <laughs> right? <laughs> now, you know, um, <laughs> like, we start to get into the same interests as the people who are really, we start to talk like them. We start to, and, and that's what Jesus wants. Jesus wants that, you know. I've had some friends, some guys, right, where I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, like, like this ain't 1970, bro. Like, no more smoking black and miles. Like, let me introduce you to some good, bold cigars <laughs> that cost a little bit more money. And you, you, you have it like, you know, not every day because you're going to kill your body. But like, here, once a month, you know what I mean? What I'm saying is, is that when we are around people, the things we do, the interests we have, I, I, I like, you know, watching football. I, I like, you know, listening to certain music. I like to do certain things. You know what? When you're friends with somebody, even if you weren't really into those things, all of a sudden you're into those things, whether they're good or they're bad. Amen? Now, Jesus wants to be your friend. And he wants you to start liking the things he likes. You know what he likes? He really loves seeing people get healed. He really loves seeing people get welcomed into the family. He really likes seeing people get converted. He really likes seeing people be able to walk around in confidence when they were beat down their whole life. And to know that they're loved. He loves these things. And he wants you to be a part of them. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for your truth. God, help us to have that elevating relationship with you, Jesus, where we trade our black and miles for better stuff. Help us to have that elevating relationship with you where we give up things that are straight destroying us, that, 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 that are below us, that that are killing our souls. Help us, God, to have a relationship with you where we actually listen to you and obey you. Not because we think, oh, we have to, to get your attention, earn your favor or your love, but because this is what it looks like to really love you. <laughs> it looks like this. It looks like doing the things you told us to do and to not wait any longer. It might be really scary, but on the other side of it is joy. Brothers and sisters, as we sing this last song, I, I bought a new bottle of oil.